Imagine if aging wasn't a thing, and then tomorrow a virus swept around the world, a virus of aging that hit certain people of a certain age and gave them all these frailties and diseases and sickness. We would react in a very extreme way, wouldn't we? Hello again, a very warm welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. I'm Peter Bowes. This is where we explore the science and stories behind human longevity. Now, supplementation comes in many forms. Supplements to top up the vital ingredients that go into a healthy lifestyle, vitamins or minerals that perhaps we're not getting from diet alone or exposure to enough sunlight, for example. The use of supplements is, for many, an insurance policy knowing that none of us is perfect, especially in terms of what we eat or what we don't eat. We're all individual, complex beings, and if we are striving to live the best life possible in pursuit of a good health span, that's a number of years that we enjoy the best of health, supplements have their place in maximising our potential. At least that's my view. And there are some increasingly popular dietary interventions that focus on cellular health, mitochondrial health. We've talked a lot about that on this podcast, supplements that boost our metabolism. And the overriding question is always, what do I need to take, if anything, to optimise my health and well-being? And can I afford it? There is no easy and quick answer. And it is true that for many people, the barrier is financial. Let's talk about all of that with Alan Grays. Alan is the CEO of Do Not Age, a startup company based in Derby in the UK with the mission of extending healthy lifespan for as many people as possible. Alan, welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me. Great to talk to you. And I guess when you talk about healthy lifespan in terms of your aspirations, it's much the same as saying Health span, it really amounts to the same thing. Yeah, I think the, the terms are interchangeable, but there are still some people that don't know what health span means. So that's why we chose to use healthy lifespan, just so that everybody could understand it. And let's just, and I've talked about this so many times, but let's just recap it again. Health span, it's the, the aspiration to live as many healthy years, to be fully physically healthy as far as possible, to be mentally engaged, to be socially engaged, and to live your life maybe into your 70s, 80s, 90s, as you did when you were much younger. Yes, exactly. And I think it's about being content and an overall feeling of well-being, isn't it? A lifespan can be 120 years, but if you've had chronic illness for, for the last 40, then that's not going to be much fun. Whereas I think most people would choose 100 years, but all of them as healthy. Exactly. So let's dive into that a little bit further and talk about your company. But before we do that, how did you get into this? You're not a, a scientist by training, are you? No, definitely not. Um, I'm not nowhere near smart enough for that. Um, I think <laughs> I kind of fell into it, really. I was interested in it. Um, I started following originally two professors in the longevity space. One's called Dr. David Sinclair. Uh, hopefully most of your listeners will have heard of him. He's done a fantastic book called Lifespan. If anybody's interested in health and longevity and they haven't read Lifespan, I would urge them to do so. I think it's one of the best books in the industry. Uh, and the other person is Professor Vera Gorbanova, who is equally capable, but a little bit less vocal. Uh, so, so she might be a little bit less known to some people. But again, her work on Sirtuins is absolutely fantastic. So I started following their work. Um, originally looked to purchase some NMN and resveratrol it was back then in 2019 for myself 
and there was nothing out there that I could trust, unfortunately, in, in the world of Amazon and eBay and all these platforms where anybody can set up and sell anything. There's no quality controls. And then any companies that were that were trustworthy were just far too expensive. You, you're talking thousands of dollars per month. So I, I began uh, networking, speaking to some doctors, researchers, uh, one of which was uh, Professor Gorbanova herself got the pleasure of working with her these days. So that's a dream come true. And yeah, do not age was born. So we, we basically became the wedge between the uh, researchers and the consumers. So the researchers are looking for funding and support and the consumers are looking for a trustworthy company that they know that what's on the label is actually going to be inside the product. And they know that the only products that they're going to be they're going to be able to purchase from us are ones that will actually have the desired effects. And I think that's an interesting point you just touched on there in terms of uh, the money and, and the profits that your company makes and, and your philosophy mm. towards using that money and investing in research. Uh, I'll, I'll get into that as well in a second. I'm just curious, bigger picture, when you started following the work of the scientists that you mentioned, what was mm. it in particular that really struck a chord with you, that struck a nerve with you as a, as a young guy? I mean, you're still in your early 30s, aren't you? Now, what was yep. it that struck a chord about longevity? I think, I don't think you can really talk about health without talking about longevity. I think the two are inextricably linked. And what really got me was how far along we are with the research already. There are so many things that we can do now already that will extend our healthy lifespan. And not many people are talking about them. Not enough people are talking about them. They're not readily available enough. They're not in the mainstream shops. And I think that's pretty disgraceful. So that, that was really where it came from. And do you have a, a vision as a younger person? And generally, it's, it's older people that maybe in their late 40s and their 50s, and they see their parents aging, they see what's happening to their grandparents, and they see... I suppose in real time and very close to them, what happens as you age? I, I, through talking to a lot of people about this of different ages, younger people, it isn't something that they think about as it relates yeah. to themselves, what it's going to be like to get very old. I lived um, a bit of a, a rock star lifestyle in my younger years. So the effects of aging caught up with me sooner than they will with most people. But as a young person in my late teens, early 20s, I was like most people, you just assume you're invincible because that's how you feel most of the time. Um, and you don't really have too many aches and pains for the majority of us. But once I started feeling that, it makes you wake up a little bit and think about it. I also saw, and I think everybody sees, or most people see their older family members going through certain things. You've got my grandfather died because of dementia. And you know, we know that these things like dementia, heart disease, they take countless number of lives. You know, we're going through a pandemic at the moment and dementia and heart disease, even individually, are so much more prevalent. The deaths attributed to those are so much more prevalent than those attributed to COVID. And yet the world goes crazy for the virus, but doesn't seem to care about these things. That, and we know that they're preventable. We know that they're preventable now. Um, and again, it's not being talked about enough. We kind of just accept it. Oh, when you get old, you you know, eventually you'll get dementia. When you get old, oh, he's got heart disease in his family. That's going to happen. That's not the case. You know, 20% of our longevity is genetic, but 80% is epigenetic or 
in a roundabout way, as we like to say, you can do something about it. So that's four-fifths. That's a good chunk. Yeah, I've long been hoping that the effect of the pandemic and the virus and the fact that the virus isn't over and that there will be more viruses in the future, that it will be to some extent a wake-up call mm. to many people in terms of their everyday health, their immune system, their hopefully lack of underlying conditions. And we all know, because we've heard that term so many times in the last couple of years, that it is one of the huge risk factors to do very badly if you're unfortunate enough to catch this virus. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and obesity is another one as well, isn't it? I mean, that is one that really, I, I would imagine most of your listeners wouldn't be uh, suffering from obesity, but that is one of the things that's been linked very heavily with adverse effects of COVID. So let's talk more about do not age. And uh, we touched on it just then, but it'd be interesting just to get a kind of a framework of how the organization, the company works, and especially your relationship with the scientists that you mentioned, and your really strong belief clearly in, in research and the fact that things don't just end and you don't create a product and things don't change. Clearly, you have a vision that looks to the future and that involves working closely with researchers. Yeah, and I think it has to. That that was another thing that was was noticeable straight away before, before Do Not Age came about was there was a huge disconnect between um, what at the time was researchers who are generally trying to do the right thing and supplement sellers who are generally just trying to make as much profit as they can. And that's why you see these brands with thousands and thousands of SKUs and various different products because they'll just sell what people will buy. And I think the, the key difference with us is we only want to provide what works because, you know, if, if, you, if you based it on the science and provided all the supplements that made a slight positive change on human health, you would have 10,000 products. So what we look for are the ones that really move the needle and make a big difference because people, you know, there's no, no reason why people wouldn't take 20 supplements a day, but people don't want to take 200. What it boils down to is it's about providing what works. And in order to do that, you need to work closely with the researchers because without them, we wouldn't have anything. And we'll continue this conversation in just a moment. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG, and we're the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. And that is the dilemma. Do I take dozens and dozens of different individual supplements or do I focus? And as I mentioned earlier, very often the defining issue is what's it going to cost? Can I afford to pay for X, Y and Z in terms of, of supplements? And then the decision has to be, well, how do I decide which ones are, are best for me? Yeah. So I know you mentioned it in the introduction, our mission is to extend healthy lifespan for as many people as possible. And I think when you first hear that, uh, most people focus on the first half of it to extend healthy lifespan. And that's what we were talking about with the researchers and, and, and reinvesting, etc. But the second half for us is equally as important for as many people as possible. If you price those products too high, it's going to create a socioeconomic barrier. And that's not what we want. So what we're trying to do is sort of democratize health. Uh, and, and make it available to everybody. So, I mean, if 
those of your listeners that are already using our products, they'll probably know us for our NMN. That's what we became known for because it was our most popular products and still is to this day. And when we first entered the market, we both increased the quality of NMN and decreased the price. So usually you can do one or the other if you're a good company, but we managed to do both, which is a bit of a unicorn. And that's why we became known as the world's number one NMN supplier. Obviously, we do do a lot more than just that, but it's a good example of what we do. We, we dropped the price quite dramatically. And the great knock-on effect of that is because of the effects of competition in the marketplace, others were forced to drop their prices and just make a, you know, there's, there's a difference between making a living and making a killing. And I think particularly when it comes to health and something that's so important, you you should just make a living and not make a killing on people. Um, and that's what we've forced some other companies to do, which is great because now those people that aren't in our audience that don't have exposure to our products and our messages, they're, they're still benefiting from a lower price. And uh, something else that I know you feel strongly about is the fact that to cover every aspect of health, we don't necessarily need supplementation, that there are other things that we can do that are free. And oh, yeah. you've touched on exercise. Clearly, diet is important there. Sleep is crucially important. It's a, it's a complex equation, but it doesn't necessarily involve spending tons of money. No. And I, whilst I think that certain supplementation could help all people, I would recommend that people, I always say start with the free stuff, because if you're not exercising correctly or um, dieting correctly and by dieting correctly I don't so much mean the types of foods I more mean the timing of your eating giving your body that time to rest it's quite clear now that three meals a day and some people have even more than that but three square meals a day which is what I was brought up on and I think most people were um, isn't particularly healthy for us because our body doesn't have long enough time it's constantly digesting food so all the energy from your body is going into digesting that food. So you need to give your body a break and that is free. But that's another reason why I think that the message hasn't been put out there because it's free to do. So that means nobody's going to profit from it. So then why would anybody try and portray that message? So that's again, what we're trying to change. And so we always say that we give most of what we give out is free because it's about information. A lot of it, you know, there are a lot of people that still don't know these things. So we're trying to spread that message. Exercise is the same. Some, there are some people who go, yeah, I go for a walk every day. And it's like, that's great. And it really is great, but you need to start incorporating resistance training. The science looks like resistance training is the best from a longevity perspective. I actually often say to people, you know, we could finish and stop all of the research now, all of the scientific research, and just apply what we know about diet and exercise and, and supplementation. And you could increase, I don't know what the number is, but you could increase the average health span, lifespan of global populations quite significantly, if only we listen to what we know already, and then save a tremendous amount of money on healthcare, and especially late in life healthcare on those conditions that could be prevented. Yes, definitely. And I think, um, I think the, the data shows at the minute, it's around about the 14 year mark, which I don't think is to be sniffed at, you know, 14 years, if the average lifespan at the moment is around 80, you know, extra 14 years is quite a quite a big percentage. And as we mentioned, most of that is completely free. Yeah, not to mention the other benefits, you know, the, the benefits you get from a dopamine perspective when you exercise, for example, or anyone that out there that has tried fasting when you get it right, sometimes it can be tough, obviously, you get hungry, etc. But that's a good thing. Um, but when you, for example, one of the things I like to do is fast for 12 hours, or maybe a little bit longer, if I can, 
and then do some really heavy exercise, which a lot of people in the past would go, oh, no, you've got you've to gotta fuel up and all this kind of stuff. But I feel great when I do that. And I feel like I can go harder and longer. It's interesting. Have you tried different types of fasting regimes? It's yeah. certainly something that I've looked yes, into have. a lot from whether it's a, a 16-8 or, I mean, I haven't done a 23-1 with some people, you know, fasting for 23 hours. That sounds a little extreme to me, but I've fasted for several days on a fasting mimicking diet. And, and like you, I'm becoming more and more interested in time-restricted eating. Yeah, I think, I think that's where it's at. And look, I should make it clear for anybody listening, if, you, if you're just starting out, then, you know, please don't do a 23-1 off the bat. Just, you know, you should always make sure you're, you're safe. I know people that have tried it and fainted and things like that. So you do have to be very careful. However, for me, I really struggle with the, with the extended fasting. So once your body goes into a state of autophagy, which is like basically self-eating, very good for you, tends to be around the 48-hour mark, I believe. So 48 hours of no food and just water or maybe coffee and tea. Um, but I, I really struggle with that. I really struggle with that. Whereas if I do like a 24, so 20 hours of not eating and and then get my calories in those four hours, I, I can manage that most of the time pretty well. And it works well for me. But then if I try the the 48 hours, I know there's extra benefits to that. But, you know, I have... A global organization to run and i've got you know family and things like that so it's uh you know some sometimes it's not suitable so you do have to be careful um i would like to be better at it but um i'll stick with my 24 for now yeah the the social implications of fastening especially when you're the only one can be quite problematic can't they yeah and and that's the that's the general consensus still out there is oh it's not good can't can't be good for you not eating you know um i mean my parents are still like that to this day get a good meal down you get a good meal down you and it's like and, and obviously it's coming from a great place but you know the science says it's that's not always the right thing to do yeah exactly and just to reinforce what you said i, I wouldn't recommend i don't recommend anything I, I like people to listen to the arguments and make it mm. their own decisions but uh, crucially on this i'd say speak to your doctor before you even consider any form of fasting because Again, as I mentioned earlier, we're all individual, very different human beings. We operate in different ways and uh, going without food for a significant period of time can be very dangerous for some people. So, yeah, the advice is, is always uh, get professional advice. I, I want to delve a little bit deeper into NMN yep. because it's something that you refer to as your flagship product that's received a tremendous amount of tension over the last few years. We've talked about it before on the podcast, but I think it is worth going back to the basics and, and talking about what it is and how potentially it can be beneficial. Yeah. So again, this is something we do try and do when we, when we send out our emails um, is, you know, it's about trying to translate the science to make it as easily digestible as possible because the majority of people aren't scientists and researchers. So the two acronyms I think people should remember for this are NAD and NMN. So NMN is the ingredient and the product and the thing that you ingest. And NAD is the molecule in the body that we're trying to boost. Uh, in its simplest terms, NMN is the direct precursor to NAD. So ingest, think about it this way, ingest NMN, the body turns it into more NAD. So as we age, our natural levels of NAD decline. Um, and that is, and we believe that's a uh, associated with the increase in age-related diseases and they've done a lot of studies we have some in humans now there's more ongoing uh, the vast majority of the studies have been done in mice but obviously we share you know circa 98 percent of our dna with them so they're good they're good models and in fact i believe it was a professor sinclair 
study where they gave them NMN in their drinking water uh, for, for, for one cohort of mice. The other cohort had a placebo and the mice with the NMN ran 50% longer and for 450% longer. So they had more endurance on the treadmill. And in fact, I believe one of the mice broke the treadmill because it, it hadn't been programmed to go that long because a mouse had never run that far before. And that's obviously just one side of it, the endurance side. NAD is responsible for over 400 different processes inside your cell. So people often refer to it as the fuel for the cells. That's exactly what my next question was going to be in terms of specifically what it can help us as a human being to to do and to achieve. And broadly speaking, it's metabolism related and our ability to function, physically function, mentally function as well at a high level. Yeah. So there's there's been there's been lots. I mean, it's when you're dealing with such an upstream angle, it, it really does have a lot of downstream beneficial effects when you boost your NAD using NMN. So I believe that it's difficult for me to say with certainty because we don't have the human clinical studies. But what I can say is that we have more than 20,000 members taking this every single day. And some of the reported effects are absolutely incredible. Uh, anything from the simple stuff, which is more energy, better sleep, through to better endurance, being able to lift heavier, being able to recover faster. That's a really common one. And then right the way through to people that have recovered from some pretty bad situations like people losing their sight and things like that. Now, again, I will say these are not human clinical studies. This is reports from Do Not Age members. So all I'm doing is reporting about what people have said. Is it wise for people to make decisions based on reports that are, are not clinical trials? If someone wants to look into the minutiae of this, could that make them a little sceptical that yeah. you know, he is the CEO of a company that sells these products, suggesting that there's anecdotal evidence, but maybe not scientific evidence in humans? Yeah, and I, th I think everybody should make their own decision. We have a science page on the website for a reason with all the links to all the studies. And you can see some of them are human, some of them aren't. And that's for every product, not just NMN. I think it's up to everybody to make their own decision. I certainly don't think anybody should make a decision purely based on anecdotal evidence. Everybody's an individual. There are some people that wouldn't like to do that. You know, obviously I'm a big proponent for this ingredient, but there are still people in my close family circle that choose not to take it. There are also some that do and they feel the benefits, but there's also some that say, no, I, I won't do it until my local GP tells me to do it. And that's you know, that's completely fine. I, I completely understand that. And for anyone who has delved into this science, there is another way of boosting NAD, and that is with NR. And perhaps uh, that is uh, older science and perhaps better known. Can you explain or distinguish between NR and NMN? Again, I don't want to confuse or bore people too much, but NMN is nicotinamide mononucleotide. So we see that as the direct precursor to NAD, whereas NR is nicotinamide riboside, which is another precursor to NAD. But the way that we, and, and both, taking both will increase your NAD levels. Let's just, you know, let's just make that clear. Which one is superior is still, still hangs in the balance. You know, there are people on both sides of the fence. I prefer to sit on that fence. <laughs> I mean, the one thing I will say is I take NMN myself personally, so that's the one I choose. But, you know, there are lots of people taking NR with, with having positive you know, benefits from it. But the key is, like I say, that both of them 
do raise NAD. And one of the things that we do is, as I said earlier, we only want to provide things that work. So we've now got an NAD test kit. So anyone can test their NAD levels from home. And it's a simple, a simple pinprick on your finger. Drop the blood onto a piece of paper. We then provide a little bit of liquid. You put that liquid on, it preserves the blood sample, but it's, it's just a little, it's a tiny sliver so that it classes as just a piece of paper when you send it in the mail, send it into the laboratory. The laboratory then uh, use some more liquid to be able to read the NAD level of your blood. And then you get a certificate. Then what tends to happen is you'll then take some NMN or NR or whatever it is you choose, and then you can test again and see where your NAD levels at because and I think that's the future as well is is personalized healthcare. And are there widely accepted levels normal levels for NAD that people can use as as a reference and I I guess those in quotes normal levels change according to age so people can essentially cross reference the results that that they guessed from a a test like yours and what scientists around the world believe is is normal. There are but we choose not to give them out. One thing we do do on the test is we have a kind of a a red area where we say you should really be boosting and a green area where we say if you're in here, you're generally going to be okay NAD-wise. But the green area is quite... So I'm at the... Me personally, I'm at the very top end of that because that's where I choose to be and where I feel the best and where I believe my NAD is optimised. Out of interest, where did you start? Did you take a test before you started using the product? Yes, I did. And I believe it's online somewhere. Um, it was, I think it was around 20 nanomoles. Again, I don't want to get too much into the science, but, and now it's around the 100 nanomoles mark. So it's quite a large improvement, as you can see. But I want to clarify as well, it wasn't just taking NMN. There was also a couple of lifestyle changes I did. You can boost your NAD in, in, a, in a smaller fashion by things like when you eat, uh, sleep, etc., things like that, because NAD and circadian rhythm are, again, very closely linked. So when people get the results of, uh, of your test, it's in a range as opposed to a number? No. So they, they do get an exact number, but the range of what is we would deem as worrying and the, de- the range of what we would deem as acceptable is relatively large. Um, and I think that the key thing, and this is what we say to everybody that takes NAD test, is you should measure yourself against yourself. So rather than going, oh, how am I for a 58-year-old man or woman or whatever it may be, you should say, I was at this level. Now I would like to get to higher than that level. And you mentioned your own personal experience. How has it changed how you feel and, and over what period of time? Um, so, oh, I'm going from memory here. So I think it was about a six or six week period or eight week period, something like that, that I sort of made the changes. But before I started it, I stopped taking the NMN so that I would kind of get a, a natural baseline, if that makes sense. Uh, but I don't actually recommend people do that, but I just did it for so that I could show people what the, what the NAD test kit is for. Um, and I think some of the things I noticed were again, sleep. I was really struggling with sleep and, um, it, when I wasn't taking it. And so the sleep has improved energy. And I think again, I mentioned it earlier on. It's that overall sense of well being. It's feeling like your best self uh, for want of a better phrase. Let me just dig into the sleep issue a little bit. Uh, mm. What aspect of sleep did you struggle with? Was it getting to sleep? Was it staying asleep? Was it getting deep sleep or enough REM? For me, it was getting to sleep. Uh, I never had a, an issue 
um, staying asleep, but it was always getting to sleep, a little bit of insomnia. And as I was growing up, I was kind of told, oh, you're just a night owl. But we, we see now, although it's preferable to sleep in the same patterns as the sun, when the sun goes down and wake when it arises, it's not as important. What's more important is consistency and getting into a pattern so that you're going to sleep at roughly the same time, waking up at roughly the same time, getting enough sleep and getting deep sleep. Matt Walker, the guru of sleep, uh, at Sleep Diplomat on Twitter, if anyone's on Twitter, he's recently shared a study that showed how closely linked sleep is to DNA repair. And I mean, a lot of people say aging basically is just DNA damage. So that shows you how important sleep is. So I, and I, that's certainly something that people should optimize. So I um, am often instinctively skeptical about these things. And I think that's a good way to be when you're talking mm. about lifestyle interventions or pharmaceutical interventions or supplemental interventions in terms of your diet. You've got to send me an NAD test kit. And I am intrigued to go through the process. It's something I haven't looked in. I looked into many things, but not NAD. Mm -hmm. Take the test, look at the results, take the supplementation, and then maybe you and I talk again in, what, three to six months' time. And then I can answer the questions that I've just been asking you. Yeah, and I think that's the proof is in the pudding. And I think what the great thing is going to be is we're going to do the NAD testing, and that's where the focus is going to be. But by the time we come to talk again, what you'll want to talk about is how you're feeling. And I think that's the great thing about it, yeah. Yeah, because that, for the vast majority of people, clearly it is how you're feeling now. And clearly there's a longevity component to all of this. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it is about the here and now and how we're living and enjoying our lives in the present moment. And clearly it's important how we're going to be in five or ten years' time, but it's the here and now. So I'm curious to see how that works out. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm interested and it'll be uh, a fascinating experiment for me. Let's talk more generally about what you do. I'm very interested in your vision. This is still a relatively new company and relatively new in terms of a venture for you, just a few years. What is your vision five, 10, 20 years ahead, not only personally, but for the company and for the science? So I think we we start to focus more on morbidity now. So, you know, the number of years that you, you're living with sort of chronic illnesses, because what I'd like to see, maybe 10 years is a little bit steep, but definitely within 20 years, I'd like to see morbidity almost completely eradicated so that nobody's having to live for extended periods of time in pain or, or you know, be around, be around when they don't want to be around because there are a lot of people in that kind of state and it's it's really sad to see one one of the most beneficial things one of the uh, best parts of my job satisfaction is hearing the feedback from people that have had either chronic illnesses or pains or you know somebody that's maybe in their 70s that says now I feel like I did when I was in my 40s and thank you so much and all that kind of stuff because it's just that that for me makes it all worthwhile I think it's it's absolutely brilliant. And that, that's what I want, basically. That's what I, I Originally, we were focused a little bit on lifespan. And I think we should now just focus on making people's years on earth healthy. And then I believe, it's my belief, 
that lifespan will extend as a result of that anyway. This is compressed morbidity mm. that you're talking about, a, a term that's, that's often used in science. And I think it's a, it's a great term because it very vividly describes you know, compression, getting smaller, that smaller period of time as opposed to a decade. I think so many of us can relate to having seen people that we know that are, are much older end their lives but end with sickness for the final few mm. years whether that's at home or in a, in a nursing home and the idea is that that is compressed to maybe in a period of a few days who knows ultimately of of ill health i mean clearly things are going to decline at some point exactly and then you die to link it back to the sort of analogy i gave with the pandemic earlier imagine if aging wasn't a thing and then tomorrow a virus swept around the world a virus of aging that hit certain people of a certain age and gave them all these frailties and diseases and sickness. Imagine what we, how we would react to that. We would react in a very extreme way, wouldn't we? But because it's always been around, it's just kind of been accepted. And I think it's, it looks to be quite clear now that aging can be reversed and the biological clock can be reversed. And it's just a matter of finessing that and doing it safely in humans. And that will come whether it's 20 years or 40 years. But in the meantime, we use what Do Not Age's job is, is to use what is available to us now to extend people's healthy lifespan until we have these kind of you know, gene editing or whatever it may be that gets us to fully wind the clock back. You made a, an important distinction there between ageing, uh, reversing ageing and the biological clock reversing. And I think it's always, I, I always like to try to talk about aging in a positive sense that we're all moving forward we'll all be a year older in 12 months time and that yeah. is the aging process but biologically we don't have to be what is commonly accepted and if you look across populations the average health of someone who is 40 or 50 years old that it is biologically possible to have a body that is decades sometimes younger than your chronological age yes exactly and like we said there's a myriad of ways that people can do that right now available to you today most of them are free some of them cost a little bit of money but in my opinion none of them cost as much as the uh, cost of aging one thing i haven't asked you about is regulation of these kinds of products and, and safety issues and mm. specifically talking about nad you're sending me an nad testing kit this isn't something that i would go into if i thought that there were acknowledged and recognized dangers involved as a company, as a, a CEO selling these kinds of products, what kinds of regulations do you have to abide by in terms of safety? Well, unfortunately, as I mentioned before we entered the market, it was literally like the Wild West. It's, you know, we've, we've pulled everybody's socks up and there are some slightly better companies now, but there's also still a lot of bad products out there. So in answer to your question, the regulation is very, very loose. And that's why we have such stringent internal standards because our standards will always be higher than whatever we get, whatever we were set by any government anyway, uh, because it's people's health at risk. All of our products are tested in humans before they're put on the market, every single one. And obviously we're registered with GMP, which is something called Good Manufacturing Practices. Um, it's just kind of a, a certification that lets people know that you're following the right procedures. But again, even that is a, it, you know, our internal standards are more stringent anyway. And just a, a closing question, what are your own 
personal longevity aspirations, knowing what you know about the science and acknowledging that you're not a, a scientist by training, but clearly you've looked into this in tremendous amount of detail. Do you have a, a longevity goal for yourself? And do you live your, maybe you could give us an, an idea of how you, how you live your life accordingly to try to reach that goal? Yeah, so I do, I do what I can, but I'm not, I'll, I'll never be militant about it. You know, if there's a, a meal with a few too many calories in, or if one day I want to have breakfast as well, then I'll, I will do it as long as you're doing the right things most of the time. Uh, I think, I think you'll be fine. Um, obviously I take a, a raft of, of supplements because I know what's gone into them. I know the science behind them and I know the benefits. Exercise is something that I'm very big on. I let it slip over Christmas. <laughs> so I'll be, uh, I'll be getting back on it, uh, shortly. But yeah, I think for me, my, my long-term goal is to live a full life. And I, I would rather live to 85 and not have any morbidity than live to 110 and suffer, you know, quite a lot. So I, I think that's my main goal is to stave that off. And I don't know where the science is going to be because it's, it's getting, we, we, we know more and more each year. So it's getting more and more exciting. We are relatively near to that tipping point now, which is a very exciting place to be. But I say, like I said, I'd rather live a, a full life till I'm 85. But then again, if you ask me at 84, I might have a different answer. <laughs> Alan Graves, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this uh, conversation. We will, as I just mentioned, we will talk again. I think it's fairly obvious you and I share this passion for following the science and a little bit of self-experimentation as well. And mm -hmm. as we move forward, uh, we're going to be hearing on this podcast the name of your company quite a bit, Do Not Age, as an affiliate partner. It's the kind of relationship that is really the lifeblood of, of many podcasts in terms of funding. And uh, hopefully it's a beneficial relationship for everyone with Llama as a, a discount code for some of your products. Maybe you could explain just for our listeners how that would work. Yeah. So people can have a look at the website, peruse find out a bit more about us, look at our science page. I'd definitely recommend people start at the science page. Then look through the products. If you would like to purchase anything, uh, the discount code LLAMA, L-L-A-M-A, uh, will give a 10% discount to your listeners. So it's adding value that way. And then off the back of that, Do Not Age will be supporting Peter's podcast. And I think, like I say, it, it becomes a win-win-win. Uh, and one thing I'd like to say is that if anybody has any questions about anything that Do Not Age is doing, any of the research, any of the products, any of the ingredients, just email hello at donotage.org and you will always get a response. Excellent. And I will put all of those details into the show notes for this episode. You'll find them at the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. That's uh, double L-A-M-A podcast.com. And you can contact me. Social media DMs are always open. I'm at Peter Bowes. Alan, once again, thank you so much. We'll talk again. And thank you for listening. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate it. <laughs>